Hello, hello. This is episode 12. It's another episode of Oh God, It Hurts. Oh God, It Hurts. Thanks for welcoming us back to your ears. I am Game Agent E.T., along with my good friend and partner in crime, the Six Button Samurai. James, say hello to everyone, and how are you doing? Hello to everyone, and how are you doing? (laughs) I love you. I love you too, Ed. (laughs) What's going on, Chief? Oh, you know, a little of this, a little of that, a little of the other. Yeah. Um, You know, getting in some uh, retro and present-day gaming yayas in between... Lots of work and a little bit of, little bit of home improvement things. You know, just life stuff. Yourself? I'm getting boosted today. All right. Yeah. Uh, COVID booster, third shot. Yeah. Gonna right take on. my Pfizer and like it. And excellent. Probably gonna take tomorrow to recover. But yeah. Until then, I'm here with you. Excellent. Yeah. So why don't we uh, mosey along to the water cooler? Yep. And, uh, well, Sony had this uh, uh, state of play presentation. And, uh, well, for me, since I'm a Nintendo fan, uh, there aren't too many things that I'm excited about when it comes to PlayStation. But there was this one announcement, and it is the... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Collection coming on not only um, PlayStation 4 and 5, but all the other systems. How? How do you feel about that? I mean, that's pretty fantastic to me. Like, yeah. I definitely have a soft spot in my heart for the arcade games and a variety of the console titles that also followed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was never like a turtles obsessive or anything, but at the same time, like I liked the franchise and it was a really lovely like collaboration between that property and Konami, who, you know, this is like peak Konami excellence when that franchise was around and kicking in its original iteration. So there's a lot of good stuff that's along for the ride with this. Um, you know, Super NES Turtles in Time is probably my favorite, but, you know, that's also a function of me never getting to spend that much time playing the arcade title. So I'm pretty stoked for it. Yeah, uh, for me, I definitely want to play Turtles in Time SNES because <laughs> I never got a chance to do it. I did play the arcade a little bit but Mm -hmm. yeah for some reason i never bought the game uh for the home systems or for that for snes and uh uh i was definitely more into the first one that's the Mm -hmm. one i'm looking forward to playing the first arcade hit yeah Uh, because i mean I don't know about you, but the first time I played it was at Peter Piper Pizza. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I and uh, other family members, we would play that all the time every time we, we made a visit. Nice. And 
Yeah, I remember, uh, I don't remember how many quarters I pumped into that thing, but I think it took, what, five, seven bucks to beat that game. So I'm looking yeah. forward to reliving those times. That was that was the era of the just quarter-eaten bitch beat em up of which yeah. Konami was definitely a little bit guilty because, you know, those games were not really made to be one CC'd in the way that a lot of other side-scrolling beat-em-ups can be. Oh, um, no. Yeah. It was definitely built to separate you from your cash the same way that X-Men or The Simpsons or a number of their other arcade games were. So, you know, they're they're still extremely fun, though. I mean, they had really excellent, you know, sprite art and the very colorful visuals. Um I remember I was really taken with um, Turtles in Time on the Super NES. I actually picked that up as a new import way back when it dropped. And the thing was, mm-hmm. you know, at the time we were sort of wondering just how capable the Super NES was, particularly at doing games like that, because only maybe a year and a half prior is when super famicom launched and very close to that you had a port of final fight which was fairly problematic i mean yeah it had some nice enough sprites and music but you know the compromises that had to be cut out of that game between an entire level and not having two player simultaneous play and only two of the three playable characters from the arcade game was like a real downer so to see turtles in time which really looked an awful lot just like it's arcade cousin but actually have two player simultaneous play like that was a big deal you know i heard that it's even better than the arcade is that true because didn't they add more things To be honest, I don't know 100%. I know that's been the sentiment for a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. But it's been forever and a day since I had access to a Turtles in Time arcade machine. So I don't really know. But at the same time, like Konami was usually pretty good at like trying to balance out the home versions of things to like make them, you know, this is the 16 bit era is really when companies began to go even further in terms of like making those games more of a like lengthy and good feeling experience versus the sort of, you know, most arcade games were only going to get you like a good 25 to 30 minutes worth of play, assuming you just pumped in a ton of quarters, you know what I mean? So, um, no, I, I'm just stoked to try it again. And I mean, hopefully like, obviously the big question with this one, you know, the licensing for some of those songs that hail from the original animated show are definitely not cheap to license. Um, but I hope they can come through intact in the collection. Yeah. Because, uh, arcade one up when they brought out their miniature TMNT arcade cab, a lot of people were upset when the intro uh, for the first game, uh, I think that it, the cabinet had both the original and Turtles in Time. But yeah, 
the first uh, TMNT game on that cabinet, the intro was altered, and it had di- it had I guess a off key type of version of the vocals for the uh, intro, and ne- nobody liked it. They're pretty That's upset. Too bad. Yeah, so I hope they can rectify that in this collection. I mean, that would be a bummer with that because, like, that intro song is so memorable and it's so buried into everyone's heads that, like, if you shelled out, oh, put in ten, <laughs> like, 450, <laughs> 500 bucks for the cabinet and you're just waiting for that yeah. before you hit start and you don't hear it. That would definitely be a bummer. So hopefully yeah. they can figure that out. Cause I heard, I, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I heard it's the guy who sang the vocals that. Oh, and they just got him to do like another take of it. No, I think they got someone else to do it. To be honest, I think um, the guy was pretty stuck up about it saying like, I, I don't know if he demanded more money or something like that, but I heard that because of that legality problem they couldn't mm. get that original voice clip in there the the vo- yeah. the lyrics from that guy i could see that though because like uh, this has definitely been sort of a a growing issue i don't know you may have heard that um mm. the guy that plays bender on futurama yeah they're doing a futurama revival and he held out because the rate that he felt they were offering was just absurdly low. And, you know, truth be told, there's actually a lot of, there's a lot of spotlight on like what voices in animation get paid and what writers in animation get paid because it's not at the same scale that a lot of other actors and like writers that put together live action tv or movies get and it's always sort of been that way like for whatever reason animation talent gets kind of cheaped out on which is you know that's just by principle that's kind of terrible so yeah and um, the the guy that plays bender also mentioned that he's not doing it just because he feels like he's better than the other cast members that do the voices he just feels like everyone no he was doing it because he thought they all should get paid more absolutely yeah yeah so i mean with this guy who sang the lyrics for the tmnt song i mean konami's probably going to make a lot of money Mm re-releasing these classics so why not give him the money he deserves it right or whoever wrote the lyrics i don't know who's involved but yeah smooth it out man because uh like you said it can be a big impact. Like if someone buys this collection and expects that song and when they hear it, it's yeah, it's devastating. It can totally change the mindset of not only this collection that they have now, but just the outlook of, Oh, this company. Yeah. They did this and yeah, I'm not feeling it with them anymore. (laughs) Yeah. It's a shame, but you know, that's just, uh, that's just the business side of gaming as always. Yeah. But um but I was going to ask one more question. Uh Yeah. What what game in that uh collection are you looking forward to trying that you haven't tried yet because they have games from the Game Boy and uh of course 
TMNT fighters for NES. <laughs> and I think yeah. the Genesis one is there too. And right. Hyperstone Heist is in there. Well, I loved I had tournament fighters for Super NES, and that game was bloody brilliant, especially yeah, for the time, because it really like that was the first not Street Fighter game. I think at the time that I played on the Super NES where I was like, this is actually like a really good, like solid little fighter that actually holds up on its own. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was, there was that much thought that was put into like the move lists and the way the game felt and, you know, really kind of shockingly capable street fighter clone for the time. Yeah. Um, I've always heard really good things about the third, nes game mm-hmm. the manhattan project i think it is yeah um so that's one i'd like to sit sit down and play some yeah that's a good choice uh i never played it either but mm-hmm. i heard that um they have this uh special move that each turtle has that is completely different from anything you've seen in any tmnt game where huh. for example like Raphael. Which, oddly enough, I heard he's the best turtle in that game. Uh, yeah. He has like a Psycho Crusher move in that game. Nice. So, and on top of that, when you do these special moves, it's really, really super effective, especially when you're about to die. Because I don't know if it expends health, but if you're pretty much out of life, you can do it over and over again. Hmm. So it can be quite abusable. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know much That's about okay. that game, I don't know. but I've watched people play it. So, yeah, yeah, I think my attitude has definitely changed. Like, obviously, with online games now, like, yeah, balance is everything. You know what I mean? Like, people... If a game's horribly broken or just has something that's abused, like, that's probably mm-hmm. the first you know, the, the thing that's going to get fixed with the very next patch, but yeah, I have kind of a weird soft spot for like old games that just have some ridiculous exploit that you can completely oh, yeah. pick apart. I don't oh, yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> and especially with the side scroll beat them up. I mean, right. it's one or two players and you're not competing against another person. So mm-hmm. why not? It's fun. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people like, Team in uh team in T for NES. Definitely. Yeah. But uh for me, I'm looking forward to the Game Boy games because nice. I played the first one, but never the second or third. And you know me, I love portables and I'm getting it on Switch, so I'm gonna have I know the first one was time. like a really early Game Boy title, was it not? Yeah. Um the controls weren't that great. Uh my brother got it. Because yeah. he was the one in our family that owned the Game Boy, and I always borrowed it off him, and that was a game I played quite often. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just liked it because Turtles uh, were in it, but yep. the soundtrack to that game was pretty good. Because you know, Konami. Yeah, I know some sometimes. Right. Yeah. No, I know sometimes you could actually get like the Game Boy was just another one of those pieces of hardware where like in the right hand somebody could do really cool things with it especially on the music side like yeah there's a fair number of game boy titles with some pretty memorable music and case in point know. the 
Castlevania to Belmont's Revenge game on Game yeah. Boy. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful if you ever get to listen to it. Uh, you can get it on the Castlevania collection. Right. So, yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to seeing what the other two are like on the on the Game Boy. Excellent. Yeah. But yeah, um, moving right along, uh, I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, just when you thought it was dead about the <laughs> Switch Pro rumors, it comes back once again, rearing its head. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's had more lives at this point, coronavirus or the Switch Pro rumors. <laughs> kind of the same thing well coming back yeah but this one was part of uh i guess there was that infamous nvidia leak where Mm -hmm. uh if you read about it there was a previous leak that talked about things like oh these certain games are coming out and some of these games actually did come out that we didn't really anticipate Mm mm-hmm um, there were some obvious ones like Street Fighter Six, but then uh, I forget where what were some of the uh, the ones that we didn't really know about that came. Actually, yes, the uh, wasn't it a it was a Square Enix game, right? And they said that oh, this game's gonna get a remaster. I think it was Chrono right. Cross remaster, wasn't it? It's was either Chrono Cross or Live Alive. Yeah, it's one, one of those. those. I think yeah. it's Chrono Cross, though, because it was okay. a very well-known one. And right. then some other, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm sorry, I don't have the list with me. But yeah, that list seems to be pretty legit. And I don't know if this was if this was part of the leak or if it was an, another leak that's separate. Well, I thought this was an NVIDIA-specific leak. Yeah. 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 But this one says, oh, well, this leak has mention of a NVN2 type of code, which if you look at the current Switch Graphics API, which stands for Application Programming Interface, which I'm not going to pretend I understand what that means. Uh (laughs) Basically, they're saying there's a link. That means OMG, WTF, BBQ. Switch 2 coming sure. out. <laughs> or Switch Pro. I don't care anymore. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Like, uh, this month marks five years that the Switch has been around. Yes. And it's just inevitable that there will be some kind of upgrade. You know, we don't know what that's going to be, if they're going to lean on this a little more almost in like a new 3ds sort of way where there will be like a switch 1.5 or whatever or if the next iteration of switch is just going to be like a more pronounced jump ahead like we just don't know i would say the smart money probably points to something a bit more of an iteration rather yeah. than like this giant leap um it's interesting because like Nintendo Switch still continues to sell unbelievably well so 
there's really no reason for Nintendo as a business entity to do it. Like, this is really one of those things that, like, because of the reptilian brains of gamers just thinking, my God, I would love to have a Nintendo Switch that is more on a par with Series X or PS5. Like, I get it. That's natural. It's normal to want that. But, like, ah, this thing just won't die. And people just keep talking about it. And you would think by now, after, like, a good solid at least two years of intense rumor-mongering around this, that people would just go, all right, fuck it. Like, it'll, it'll be out when it's out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think uh, you're going to keep disappointing yourself if you keep thinking that there's going to be something in the immediate future. But right. I agree with you. There there most likely will be an extra large version of the Switch that will be upgraded because the president, I believe, uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Furukawa, mm-hmm. he said it himself. It's halfway, the halfway point of the Switch life cycle. So hmm. if that is the case, then yes, you may see something like an XL, something that maybe it'll do as much as 4K resolution with upscaling. Right. And it may have some tweaks on the the main processing chip or whatnot to make it a little beefier, but don't expect it to be PlayStation 5 quality. I agree. No. I would expect it to be it maybe touch on something like a PlayStation four, but well, I mean, not even that. Here's the thing though. Like to me, a really interesting sort of like to give your brain more of a frame of reference or an additional frame of reference. Mm -hmm. You can look at the release of the steam deck. Yeah. Now steam deck by all accounts, for the most part, you're looking at like a 60 frame per second PS4-ish experience overall. Mm-hmm. That's what it's capable of today. And it's capable of it at that price point, which is not something that Nintendo is going to come anywhere near. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like there's some difficulty here with just the laws of physics. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to attempt to pack that much graphic power into something that's going to be handheld, there's just limits as to how far you can go right now. Even, you know, as advanced as things seem to be like, look at the size of the fucking PS five, man. That thing is enormous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the more graphic firepower you're going to attempt to pack into these things, the more heat they produce and the larger they need to be. Yeah. So, and, and I don't people know, are man. complaining about the Steam Deck making noise because of the fans. Right. Yeah, it's got to have enormous high pitched fans because of all that heat being generated. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, literally, this entire like advances in that paradigm are very specifically caged in by the laws of physics at this point. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's just how it is. But don't get me wrong. I mean, Nintendo's doing their best to do what they can. I mean, if you know about Nintendo uh, Switch Sports, they have that. Uh, what is it? I, I think it's some sort of AMD type of software that is in like included with the code where it upscales it a little bit better and makes it so that the frames per second are a lot better. That's what I read. Weird. I mean, yeah, obviously it's weird because it's from AMD, not NVIDIA, but that's what they included with the Nintendo Switch sports. So, I mean, if they can do that instead, you know, why not keep going with your current hardware? There's no need to upgrade because, I mean, look at the XL. How many titles capitalized on the new hardware? I think you can count on two hands how many. Actually, yeah, there were there were not that many. Yeah, I think there was Xenogear Chronicles and Fire Emblem Heroes. I think, or not Heroes, but that uh, the one the Muso type of game. Well, I know the Xenoblade one. That was like a new 3ds like exclusive like you actually yeah. had to have the new 3ds to be able to run that game and i don't know that there were actually that many games that needed it right yeah and not to mention the uh 3ds uh super nes games or whatnot i forget which ones but yeah i think you needed the xl to actually play those games if i'm not mistaken right I don't remember. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I I think I had a regular ass no. Oh man, that's too deep of a cut, mister. I'm not oh. entirely sure. <laughs> yeah. I could have sworn that in order to play those Super Nintendo titles, you needed to have a XL at least mm. the boosted up power. I'll have to research that again, but yeah. Yeah, but there was there were new 3DSs in XL or regular size though. Yeah. So wait, I don't think it was an XL thing. I think it was specifically a new 3DS thing. Yeah, the new 3DS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. It's okay. Those those stupid names. See, that's another. Well, that's, thing. that's right. That's the thing with their crazy naming convention. Like, yeah. I mean, honestly. In my perfect world, mm. we would get a new Switch system in about two years. And, and it would fine. have a 4K compatible dock. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's like 1440p for the screen. Yeah. Um, and it's just got a solid amount of juice. Nothing earth shattering, but like does all those things well it's a decent jump up and it's just called the nintendo super switch yeah that's it and it'll have the old led mm-hmm. that's all you need really yeah because even the steam deck doesn't have the old led screen i think it yeah. has the ips screen yeah so but it's just i don't know like it it's funny just how often a lot of gamers spend time grousing that something hasn't happened yet instead of like playing the shit they actually have. Yeah. And I'll admit I do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But just, but just 
just yeah, chill and enjoy what you have. Mellow out and enjoy your games. Yeah, because it's not like you're playing with rocks and sticks, you know? These are fun right. games. Right. You, and Nintendo's always been about that, you know? It's not always about the graphics. Mm-hmm. It's about the gameplay and the amount of fun you have. Definitely. So you go. But yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, let's uh, kind of move on to a... Mm, it's a little bit of a touchier topic, but... Obviously, uh, something happened in the state of world affairs where there's things going on in Russia and the, the Ukraine, and that changed a little bit of what's going on in our gaming communities and uh, gaming companies in general. So, right. for example, uh, game companies are starting to pull out on things like uh, software sales and hardware sales. Uh, Sony and Nintendo definitely have suspended sales of their mm-hmm. systems. Uh, I know the eShop is suspended right now. Uh, Sony, I think, as well, right? I was going to say, and that even goes with, like, a lot of much larger corporate pullouts of Russia. Oh, yeah. Um, McDonald's being one. um, Starbucks. Yeah. Um, You know, here, the thing with this. Yeah. It's interesting to see how manifestations of this have made themselves felt throughout the world of gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, it's a very, very grim situation, and yeah, most definitely. I think that you know, if you're somebody, and you know, you're living in another country that obviously isn't torn by war or you're not worried about, you know, a bomb landing where you live, you know, there's all kinds of interesting ways that people can get involved and try to show some support for the the people of Ukraine. So, you know, some of them are pretty neat and interesting and creative, like John Romero doing a custom doom wad, which is just, one level that you can buy and that'll go to support the people of Ukraine. Um, a hundred percent donations, right? Yep. Um, there was also a Bandai Namco effort that I guess amassed something like a hundred million yen. Yeah. Which is also great. Sega's Um, doing something similar too, I think. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, if this bums you out and there's a lot of reasons for it, to bum you out like mm-hmm. you know look for look for some way to to get involved or do something interesting you know i know i definitely it's one of those moments where i just go all right you know i guess i was born lucky to be somewhere that is not beset with these kinds of crazy issues you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah but it's sad to see this happen and um yeah you hope that things will get resolved but uh but in a good way not in a bad way obviously right but, yeah this uh, there's also a couple of ukrainians that have had pretty prominent projects in the retro community like there's a guy named Crix and he's the one that's behind all of the everdrives 
that have been designed for classic consoles. So if you're rocking an EverDrive, you know, it was a Ukrainian that uh, helped put that in your console. Yeah. Um, there's also another prominent developer in the Mr. Scene who uh, is in the middle of working on the Sega Saturn core. And he was tweeting about, um, you know, in the immediate, he is safe, but his village has been occupied. And, you know, his whole thing, it's like, look, I, I can't do anything about this for now. I'm just going to continue sort of quietly doing my work and trying to stay safe. And, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty wild to think that, you know, somebody's looking at that set of choices in their own life, you know. You've yeah. literally got an invading army in your village. And so. all yeah, all we can do is pray for their safety and just gaming is like a secondary thing now, just like a distant second, and we just hope that yeah, nothing bad befalls upon them. But yeah, I mean that's why I feel like this type of topic some people feels like uh they feel like, oh no, it's not gonna affect me. I'm just gonna play my games but you know it like any other community it it affects everyone in some way or another and yeah like you said if there's any way we can help definitely give some help give support yeah and don't be toxic about anything because this is a serious matter yeah just just find a good way to help throw a few bucks at it and you know continue to hope for the best is really it's really all that most of us can do you know and don't hound on these people that are in these situations i mean i'd rather they be safe and concentrate on staying alive and having their families be safe as well than wait and see oh where's my everdrive or where's my software or whatnot yeah don't don't think like that i mean if anything for the love of god like the last two years should have taught you some patience (laughs) whether it's like shipping of something or anything else like there's just you know there's bigger shit happening in the world so just be cool about things and try to extend a little bit of understanding yeah it's not just about you it's about everyone it's It's about everyone we're all we're all in you know in one boat we gotta for sure care for each other so Mm -hmm my best hopes and wishes for them anyone involved that don't want to be a part of this war and just want to be safe with their families and just want to live a normal life again i hope they can do that in a quick and safe manner yep yeah and on another side note um there is a postponement of advanced wars one and two reboot camp for the nintendo switch because of the obvious things going on and i think it's quite understandable because uh even though it's kind of a cartoony war game, there are kind of similarities with what's going on in that game to what's going on in real life. So I understand not bringing that out right now because it's yeah quite touchy because that game is about, you know, taking over buildings and cities to fortify your base and to have more powerful attacks and things like that. So, yeah, I don't think that is appropriate at this time. Right. Well, I mean, we saw a variety of things in entertainment and gaming sort of 
ripple out back when the September 11th attacks happened. Yeah. There were a number of things that got either delayed or radically changed because they suddenly didn't seem terribly appropriate after that. So yeah, that's just one of those things. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully some sort of solution is arrived at here that just allows Ukraine to live in peace and yeah. Cool, may cooler heads prevail. Yeah. Okay. So it's time for us to t- uh, step back for a few seconds so that you can hear some information about one of our sister podcasts on Ruminations Radio Network. If the podcast sounds interesting to you, you can find more information on this show, along with many other exciting and intriguing podcasts, through our network's website at ruminationsradionetwork.com. We'll be right back. Hey kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile Hissy Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on ruminationsradionetwork.com. All right. Yeah, we are back. Woo! So now it's time for Now Playing. Yep. So James, let's start with you. What's what's uh tickling your thumb your thumbs right now? Well, I have been a little bit obsessed with the PlayStation Core on Mister because it is rapidly improving daily to the point where they're actually pondering a public release of it fairly soon. Nice. Um, it works unbelievably well right now. Um, you know, there's still some games that are going to have like really specific bugs. And the great thing about it getting a public release is that once that's established, like it's going to be way more about the bug hunt in individual games versus the developer, Robert Pipe. Um, you know, trying to figure out all these like larger systemic issues. Um, I have, I don't know, like I managed to get completely sucked into symphony of the night this week Mm. and revisiting that game, but with the unbelievably high quality output, you know, the scan lines, all of that through Mr. Oh, it's just beautiful as hell. I mean, every every pixel of all of those beautiful sprites and backgrounds is just crystal clear. And, oh, like, it's made me think a lot about, like, the Metroidvania genre in general. And I gotta say, like, it's... It's fascinating because there's so many indie developers that have taken a stab at that. And I think a lot of those games are pretty good. Mm -hmm. But when you step back and play something like Symphony of the Night and you realize like how well realized that game was from, you know, kind of the quickie action RPG-ish mechanics of it 
to just how many different kinds of enemies populate all of those levels to how well that dungeon design flows like that game still stands really tall within the genre especially considering that it came out like 25 years ago oh i agree i mean (laughs) you're the one that actually got prodded me into playing that game because i remember for the longest time you would talk about that game when i was back in the states and then Mm -hmm. i said to you um i never played it before and you kept saying Mm -hmm. what's wrong with you boy (laughs) what's wrong with you you got problems go play it and eventually i did and then it ended up being probably my favorite game of the whole playstation library yeah that's how good it is i mean it's so freaking good (laughs) so do you know like it even i even got to a point where like it yeah. had been talked about for so long mm-hmm. and you know uh, the the contrarian me after a while was like well maybe it's not that fucking great jesus you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. you just start thinking about it like too much but like i've just had the right and perfect amount of distance between now and the very last time that i took a serious run at it mm-hmm that right now it just feels fresh and beautiful and it's just like the perfect pace of rediscovery um that game just it controls like a dream yeah the collisions are tight as a drum i mean it just feels fantastic and you know I remember at the time, like, we were all kind of bummed out because, like, we were hoping, oh, like, maybe there's going to be a lot more games like this. And the thing is, at the time, there weren't. Like, there were very few other developers that were taking on that same challenge, especially since, you know, the the momentum was towards the paradigm shift into 3D games. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I remember those days all too well. <laughs> yeah. And so Symphony of the Night was kind of seen as a bit retrograde at the time. Like, you know, that wasn't a game that you showed off to, you know, like your casual friends when you're like, oh, this is the power of PlayStation. But if you were discussing it with your fellow heads, you know, people like you and Mikey and myself, yeah, you know, we were just like, oh my God, this game is fucking delightful so it was and it is that's all i can say i mean even super metroid which kind of brought out the term metroidvania right because yeah super metroid as great as that game is castlevania symphony of the night just really went to town and made that sort of thing even better and like like uh I played most of the uh the follow-ups like the GBA uh Castlevania games and the DS Castlevania games. They're right. great, but nothing really captures that spirit exactly like Symphony of the Night, where the quest was quite long, but quite mm-hmm. good and quite rewarding. There were nice secrets, playability, and likable characters. 
and just overall. It was, it was also package. pretty interesting the way that game does not hold your hand. No. In terms of what to do next. No, never. <laughs> but at the it same doesn't. time, you can figure stuff out on your own. I yeah. mean, it's not like one of those very cryptic games where you'll never know a secret unless you look it up on Game Facts or something. I mean, there are very few secrets that are kind of fun once you learn about it. But I mean, that's well after you beat the game and maybe you're looking for some other content and you find out, oh, wow, this is a secret like that little pixie that sits on your shoulder when you idle for a yeah, little all, bit. Yeah, all, all of the familiars <laughs> yeah. have some pretty interesting things going on, and then the, there's the, all kinds of crazy shit that happens with the weapons. And the items, yeah, the, the a la carte mm-hmm. items. Yeah, that you need to do a little bit of research. I don't know if you could find that out by yourself, but, you know, it's not something that's vital, right? <laughs> right. So it's just like, hey... There's some, you know, not so subtle things that you can do that you can extend your love of this game by playing it more and finding these things out and seeing what it does. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's definitely something that if you like Mr. Check out this game or if you have a original PlayStation, get Symphony of the Night or even the collection. Well, not the collection, but what is it on right now? There is the, uh, I forget the stupid name it has attached to it. It's the PS4 exclusive yeah. collection that has Rondo of Blood and Castlevania Symphony of the Night on it. Rondo of um, Blood is good too. Oh, it's great. And, it, you know, it's really like, it's fascinating because obviously that was the game that he worked on mm-hmm. before he did Symphony of the Night. Yeah. And you'll see i mean quite literally there's actually a lot of sprites that are almost directly ripped mm-hmm. from that game but it works because you're experiencing all of that stuff in just this very different and very clever context given the way the the castle works with the yeah. warp rooms and everything else about it um no i Ah, it's <laughs> it's really great to be like newly dazzled by something that you hold dear, and so that's definitely what I've been experiencing lately with that I, game. I guess my question would be: Do you notice anything that is off right now with the current iteration on Mister or is of everything... the PS Score? Yeah, or uh, for that um, game? No, I mean, here's the thing, like. Symphony of the Night got has been republished like a number of times. Like mm-hmm. it's been on the PSP, it's been on the Xbox 360. Yeah. You know, it's been regurgitated a number of different ways, but the thing is mm-hmm. I remember when I first played the Xbox 360 version, yeah. You know, the visuals have some issues because there's some strange filtering yeah. choices that they made. Um, and I always never felt like all those other versions got the sound mix, like really right. Um, and don't forget the Saturn version where they added Maria, but I heard that it's not very playable because, well, I shouldn't say playable, but it has a lot of slowdown, right? Well, (sighs) 
that version's got a number of issues. I mean, yes, they added Maria and they added a whole new playable area, but um, Saturn actually has a higher screen resolution and it results in this really weird sort of stretching for a lot of the backgrounds. Yeah. Like it's just visually challenged in that way. Not to mention, you know, they were taking advantage of a lot of the PlayStation's abilities to do transparencies and the like. And a lot of those effects that look really, really cool with particular bosses or enemies just look kind of crappy on the Saturn, which is sad because, you know, ostensibly if you had a 2d Castlevania that was built from the ground up for Sega Saturn specifically, that game could be an absolute killer. Oh yeah. Uh, because Saturn was king back in the day with the 2d. Right. 2D games. And especially all the added Ram and whatnot. Yeah. So, you know, it's rumored that there was actually for a time there was going to be like, if you think of Rondo of blood and symphony of the night, basically being like, you know, cousins of a sort, for a while, there was a plan to make a Saturn game that was going to be like a follow-up to Bloodlines. Oh, man. And that... That's tough to hear. Happen. Well, I think for a while, it was like, it was sort of something that they were going to do on 32X, and then they briefly thought about it for Saturn, and then by that time, they had just sort of moved on. That but, that kills me more than the Dreamcast uh, uh, rumored uh, game of, for Castlevania. I think you heard about that one too, right? Well, there was a there was a playable demo of that that finally got out. Yeah, yeah, mm. it was finally archived, I guess, and someone put it online. And I haven't played it or even seen it. But did you get a chance to try that out? No, I have yet to play that yet. I mean, there's footage of it online; you can go see it, but I have yet to play it yet. But that one's so. in 3D, right? Yep. Uh, okay. It's like a. Like, if you think of it as like, okay, what would a dream, what would a better like Dreamcast take of like the N64 games? What would that have been like? Then <laughs> that'll sort of prime you for what to expect. Hmm. So. You know, I'm surprised that the current Castlevania collection doesn't have the N64 games. Maybe I'm surprised, maybe I'm not, because I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that much, though, because, like, as yeah. we've learned very recently, like, N64 emulation is kind of a big pain in the ass. Yeah. Like, Nintendo's needed multiple stabs at it to get it right with um, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask for hmm. Nintendo Switch Online. Yeah. So, I would imagine for them, like, the cost of doing that versus expected return just was not there. It might come out on switch online. Maybe, but maybe is it I mean, worth it? I mean, that, yeah, would like be, said, I mean, that would be a different thing because like, yeah. then you're dealing with Konami via Nintendo and probably their existing emulation solution. Yeah. But I'm sure that that wasn't a thing that like, konami was gonna fork over extra money to m2 for doing because yeah people don't really love those games in the same way <laughs> exactly that's what i was trying to allude to these games yeah. are not well 
loved compared to Castlevania games on other systems. Right. Yeah. So what are you playing? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, recently, uh, I got the Egret 2 Mini. Nice. And I was anticipating this since uh, last year when they announced it or uh, pre-ordered it as soon as I could. I got mm-hmm. the set that has everything, which includes the paddle and trackball controller nice. and uh, arcade stick and the I guess there's also a control pad, which I haven't messed around with because okay. I got those other two things. So why would you mess with that? So. <laughs> right. But um, this thing, uh, if you have heard of the Astro City Mini, uh, this is yet another uh I guess a mini system that is modeled like the Japanese arcade cabinet that was present back in the eighties and nineties. And this thing is special because you can press on the screen to rotate it physically so that any vertical games like shoot 'em up games mm-hmm. can be run on that uh, vertical format instead of, having it squished on a horizontal screen. So And these are all Taito's games, right? Yes, uh, mostly Taito in terms of either if they published it or if they made it themselves. So okay. this is very cool, but it has some surprising drawbacks and I can really? explain a few of these. Number 1, okay. they didn't emphasize this, but uh, you need to have a, an adapter that does at least, uh, let me see, uh, it looks like 2.4 amps or 5 volts or more okay. that you need to output to run this thing properly. If you don't have a proper adapter, you're going to experience some glitches, especially when you output it to HDMI. So okay. that's another thing. Uh, the filters. There's a filter where you can switch smoothing either on or off. Oddly mm-hmm. enough, in the menu, yeah. when you switch it to off, it means on. So you're turning the filter on and vice versa. No. So that's just like a yeah. mislabel. Yeah, even in Japanese. Defect. Yeah, even in Japanese. Okay. So um, turning the smoothing effect does affect the emulation even more in terms of input lag along with outputting to hdmi along with the amount of amps or volts that you're pulling out of your adapter which makes for a a little bit of a frustrating experience if you don't have the correct adapter like if you're using a nintendo switch adapter that thing doesn't have the amount of juice from what other people are saying that you need to have it running properly compared to if you get a special one, like uh, the one I got recently, I got it for 900 yen. But let me see. This thing does at least 3.1 amps, I believe. So wow. that's a lot better than the 2.1 that they're asking for, I believe. Hmm. Or 2.4. So yeah, those things, along with uh, emulation differences, like unfortunately, uh, there are some games where they experience like... Uh, the music not coming on at the correct time, things like that. And there's also one big issue with Arkanoid. 
Mm. Two two issues to be exact. Number one, the paddle controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dial is about thirty millimeters long or wide, but okay. the original cabinet had forty millimeters. So you may think, oh well, maybe it won't really matter, but it kind of does matter because when you try to turn it, it doesn't respond as well as if it was a bigger dial. So mm. people online. If you check Twitter, a lot of people are taking caps from like juice boxes or whatnot and using foam tape to put on top of the existing dial and doing like a do-it-yourself kind of hack to make it bigger. And oddly enough, those uh, caps are the right size that the arcade dial was originally. And they said, yeah, it works a lot better this way. (laughs) And then on top of that, uh, the Arkanoid uh, game, which you get as part of an extra 10 games with the paddle controller. It comes in a SD slot. Uh, I'm sorry, SD card that you put on the side of the mini cabinet. So right. it makes it possible to have more games in the future if they des- decide to, which it looks like they are. But basically, when you uh, play Arkanoid, uh, I, do you remember the first stage of yeah. that game where it's all mm-hmm. just a basic row, you know, row after row of basic bricks, and then the back row has the the silver bricks? Very it's like basic. what you would expect out of the first level of Breakout. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Not this ROM. I don't know what ROM they got, but this ROM, the first stage, has a completely different layout. Where it's like Weird. a lot of satellite blocks with the metal blocks on top of these satellites, and it makes it a lot harder. And people in Japan, in Japan, were saying like, "Is this the you know overseas version?" I don't get it. <laughs> and I was like, I replied in Japanese, "No, in the U.S. we we don't have this stage either. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what universe this Arkanoid is from, but." Yeah, a lot of people were upset wow. about it. So apparently the boards are different in that game compared to the original arcade. And yeah. that's on Taito. I don't know what they're thinking, you know? Right. And from what, under- uh, what I understand, M2 did not work on the emulation for the Egret 2 Mini software. Mm. It was another uh, group of people. So that's why, yeah, it's surprising. It's issues. Yeah. But, you know, with that, SD slot, you can do probably someone can do some homebrew type of emulation where you get a card, you download whatever you want with the emulator, put it in that slot, and then maybe you can run whatever you want. People are working on it right now, so it's just a matter of time, maybe. Yeah, Uh, that's too bad. Yeah, but kind of like what you're talking about with Mister. I mean, that seems like the best way to emulate games and. Uh, I think you explained to me one time that, you know, these type of mini systems, they can't really do what Mr. does because it's a lot more expensive, right? To emulate the hardware through. Well, I think there's a, there's a big difference in what the Cyclone 5 FPGA chip Mm -hmm. on the DE10 nano board that is the heart of the Mr. I think that overall is a much more robust solution than 
a lot of these um, system on a chip projects that have been forming the basis of all of these classic consoles. Yeah. Like, you know, they're trying to put out a product en masse. You know, I'm sure the Astro City Mini and the Egret 2 Mini are a little bit different. Like, you're talking different price points. Um, there's a lot more tooling involved because you've got a little miniature cabinet and a screen that you're doing for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, like, you're still talking about trying to ask a lot out of a small system on a chip, especially since, like, you know, if you're cramming that many games, especially like with the Egret 2 specifically, like, that's a lot of different games. That's a lot of different original hardware setups, a lot of which run on completely different resolutions. So it's really asking a lot of a little piece of hardware like that to pull all of that off. And like, that was a really ambitious project. I mean, especially even with the, um, the little rotating monitor on it being capable of doing horizontal or vertically oriented titles yeah and it's a beautiful screen yeah i love that feature but yeah Yeah. it's i'm glad you explained that because i mean some people would think well yeah why not do what mister does and it's not that easy as you explained um it's not that easy and you know there's there's the thing with mister specifically is that there's legitimately like a fuck ton of people around the world doing different aspects of the Mr. Experience, whether they're contributing new visualization modes, making shadow masks, or working on specific cores. Like, you know, it's really remarkable, like just how many unbelievably like whip smart people are contributing to this thing. But like, it's really just like your classic like open source like you know it's it's the kind of thing that couldn't exist you know without things like patreon you know where people can get paid to pursue these projects they love because they've got a rapt audience waiting for them to show up you know what i mean yeah whereas it's just it's a really different sort of for-profit model when you're talking about a company like sega making something like the astro city mini so i don't know like you know i appreciate what they're doing with a lot of these mini cabs but at the same time it's like uh, i uh, i'm already completely hooked on the way mr does things and yeah, and it's a t- it's a tall bar once you get used to that kind of quality on a regular basis. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of people believe on uh, in Mister because of the lack of input lag, if any. Yeah, I it makes a huge <laughs> difference. It mm-hmm. does. It makes games a lot less playable, and it makes it a lot less fun. And it can really sour your experience very quickly if you can't play a game the way it was meant to be played. So, but. Well, I've even heard one thing that, like, as a testament to just how accurate a lot of the FPGA cores are on Mr., I'd actually heard that some people are beginning to 
trade like people in the fighting game community that play all of the classic, you know, they're uh, referred to tongue in cheek as the old man games, like <laughs> Super Turbo, Alpha Two, Alpha Three, the Darkstalkers games, etc. Like because of the dual output of the Mister and the fact that you know you've got a digital solution so you can run that to your streaming device or recording device. Then you've got analog out so you can connect that to a CRT right there, you know, completely lag free gameplay with the precision of that CPS two core. Like a lot of organizers of those old man game tournaments are beginning to use misters instead of real CPS two hardware, which it's pretty mind blowing because like literally no one around is a bigger stickler for how those games actually work or respond than those folks that, you know, are still playing super turbo or street fighter alpha three in tournaments. So to see that, like it's meeting that bar for precision is pretty damn impressive. Yeah. So, (laughs) Get a mister if you can, but <laughs> but at the same time, do support the companies that bring out the games if you want to support them. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I love I, I, I definitely love the Egret 2 Mini. It has its yeah, issues. For sure. But in general, I'm very But you very also happy. collect little cabs. Yeah. I, I have a lot of little cabs from New Wave Toys and Numskull. Uh New Wave Toys is my favorite company when it comes to those mini cabs because of the attention to detail and the way the, the quality that they have in terms of not only the build of the cab, but the emulation, it's very, mm-hmm. very spot on. And I highly recommend it for anyone that loves these classic arcade cabinets. Uh, I think you have one too, right? I do have an Astro city mini. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have the new wave toys, street fighter champion edition yeah that's my favorite one out of all of them yeah it's it's really it's a really really impressive little knockoff of those cabinets which just yeah the attention to detail in it like so how close the control panel comes to looking like the original yeah the coin doors everything like it's really uh, it just it's hard to not look at that and just smile yeah and they're gonna (laughs) come out with space ace uh next year right so they're taking pre-orders right now and by the time you hear this uh you might not be able to pre-order anymore but uh they usually have some on stock for sale once they release it to the general public but if you pre-order stuff from them it's usually like 20 30 dollars cheaper so it's right. worth uh, your while to sign up for their mailing list to get any information about, you know, when these pre-sale orders are coming and you can save yourself quite a bit of money. Right. But yeah, lovely stuff. Uh, Eager at too many. Uh, yeah, I, I love it, but I don't know if it's for everyone. Right. So there you go. Um, but yeah, why don't we hop along to the big question now? Yep. So the big question for today is, hmm, if you could make a crossover between two famous game franchises, for example, 
Street Fighter cross Tekken. What would you mix together and why? <laughs> I know you can. Do you have to bring that one up because it's almost a cautionary tale. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't get me wrong. Some people like that game in particular, but at the same time, yeah, it had its. <laughs> How not to do a gem system. <laughs> How not to do on disc DLC. Yes. <laughs> it was a lot of lessons well, in one game, but I mean ca- casting that bit of joviality aside. Yes. If if I could wave a magic wand and have any crossover happen, mm-hmm. um quite honestly, the the match, you know. We got to see one of our dream crossovers happen. Yes. With Capcom versus SNK. I still love And Capcom versus SNK two and yep. the Neo Geo Pocket match of the millennium. Yep. All three of which are glorious wastes of your time. <laughs> I wouldn't say All waste. <laughs> I'm oh, just saying yeah. in general, like they're totally worth it. Definitely. However, um let's not let's never talk about uh svc chaos oh uh, <laughs> i had that deleted from my memory banks years ago oh my god uh there are a few that love that game but i i Fuck don't know I, no no nope. don't tell me don't play the that game and play the neo geo pocket color game and tell me that game is anywhere i mean even with the limitations of the pocket color game, don't tell me that yeah. game is not better than SVC Chaos. I'm sorry. I right. even think Capcom Fighting Jam is better than SVC Chaos. That's how bad yeah. it is. But anyways, continue. so while Capcom versus SNK and Capcom versus SNK Two mm-hmm. could be seen as kind of the ultimate 2D fighting crossover, yeah. What I would love to see still to this day is I would love to see Virtua Fighter versus Tekken. Yeah, that would be <laughs> phenomenal. That, that's a great one. Great one. I can't top that. Because, and the thing is, um, you know, we got a smidge of that with the VF characters that appear in Dead or Alive 5. Yeah. And, you know, props to Team Ninja because those versions of those characters were actually very well realized like they were beautiful but they still absolutely retain the soul of those characters which you know you're dealing with some hallowed grand there given you know what we have come to know and love about the virtual fighter franchise and oh how yeah special that roster is um and the man, complex move list yeah yeah but man yeah if I could have my crossover of crossovers, it would be Virtua Fighter versus Tekken. That would be nice, yeah. And yeah. I would love to see that too. I'd I'd pay money to buy that game. Definitely oh, yes. a lot of money. Uh, and I really feel fun. like, you know, if you were going to do a thing, if you were going to really earnestly try to set Japanese arcades on fire one last time, yeah, that, that could be the game to do it. Who would do it, though? Would you think it would be better for Namco to do it or Sega? You know, it's really tough to say because obviously, like, I don't know how much of the original VF team 
or people that have worked on any of those games. I don't know how many of those folks are still left. Mm-hmm. I know that it was the Yakuza team that worked on the recent re-release, the Virtua Fighter Ultimate Showdown. Yeah, just the graphics engine, right? They didn't really tweak. Well, yeah, I gameplay. mean they didn't they didn't tweak anything in terms of gameplay. I mean, they all got um aesthetic makeovers, but the gameplay was kept precisely intact from the last iteration of it. Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um but that said, like I was actually really impressed with Namco's interpretations of Akama and Geese Howard mm. in that game. Like I thought they were really excellent and you know, they managed to feel good as they should for the context of a Tekken game, but they still absolutely retained what made those characters special from their original series. So Yeah. I don't know. Like that could be I would imagine that like any talent involved in that, especially if it was like the folks that make Tekken Seven at Namco, like taking a look at those at those Virtua Fighter characters, I'm sure they would take it like really seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure they would try to do their best with it. But so yeah, that's my uh that's my dream crossover right there. And I I can't top that. I I really can't. Yeah, but you got to have something on deck. This was your question. I know. So I'm going (laughs) to give you my answer, but it's kind of more like a hokey answer than a real, like, bona fide hit that would be in the making. But hear me out. This is what I have. So I have two, actually, but they're not, I'm not going to really elaborate too much. But one crossover I'd like to see is Rolling Thunder from Namco join up with uh, elevator action returns nice because think about it rolling thunder has a really good story when you play Mm -hmm. one two and three very intriguing whereas elevator action return i love that game it's on the egret 2 mini i've been playing it a little bit and i always wanted to know well these characters look cool but we don't really know much about them why not kind of elaborate more on who they are with this uh crossover with rolling thunder and see what interesting together i mean the mechanics of both games are very similar so i'm sure you can make some sort of really fun game that has both those characters and maybe even the classic elevator action spy (laughs) see i I think that's cool i don't think that's hokey oh but it's something that Maybe you. And that's and also I that's and... such a classic you thing, though. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because you love you love elevator action love more it. than anybody else I know. Yeah, and yeah, I, mean, I do. And I... you've also always loved the Rolling Thunder games. Yeah, Rolling Thunder Two was my all-time favorite from that right. reason. Yeah, I played the crap out of it on my Sega Nomad almost every day for a year. Almost, <laughs> I love that mm-hmm. game. But yeah, that. Yeah. That would be one crossover I'd like to see. And the other one, uh, I would just like to see another game ground game in general. The Sega classic game that you could play now on Nintendo Switch. The overhead game where you can choose characters and you have to go from point A to point B 
and say mm-hmm. make sure your characters don't die. I would right. like to see Golden Axe characters in a new game ground game with the original characters that they have and see mm. how that turns out and see if you can right add a little bit of the Golden Axe a little bit of the franchise characters as well, the enemies, I should say, and kind of see what happens. It'd be a fun little romp, I think. But yeah, those are my those are my two crossovers. Nice, yeah. not not too elaborate, but yeah. Fun, yeah, yeah, fun little question that I thought of, but yeah, 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 man. But, but yeah, it's always fun to think about things we want that don't exist. Yeah, <laughs> but. One one crossover that I really did not like. I don't know if you feel the same way. Is uh, seeing the Halo character in Dead or Alive. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> I thought that was like the worst I, crossover ever. I think that I think I blocked that out of my memory. Yeah, because I don't know if many people remember that, but yeah, but I guess it's uh, Master Chief. <laughs> yeah, he's in. I remember I wasn't into um, I wasn't into Spawn showing up in Soul Calibur 2 either. Yeah. Uh, Did he? I mean, I wasn't really knowledgeable about Spawn, but did he like have anything that felt like, hey, this is Spawn or did it feel like a generic character or what was The thing is, I don't know Spawn terribly well, so I'm probably Mm. not the best person in the world to comment on that, but just he felt just kind of like another like really heavy brawler you know what i mean i was just kind of like this is so caliber too right for xbox yeah compared to the gamecube version having link or the sony playstation 2 version having heihachi yeah yeah do you like heihachi right i do like heihachi how did you feel about him being in soul caliber 2 you know, it's funny. I had that version of it first because that was the first import version of that game that dropped. So yeah. I bought that. And like, I I was actually a Heihachi user at the time, mm-hmm. but I didn't love the way Heihachi felt in it. Like, it felt like such a reach and I was so attuned to who I normally main in Soul Calibur anyway that it was just like... It was hard for me to get into. Mitsurugi? Yeah. Main Mitsurugi, right? Yep. Mm. Yeah, and he had no weapons. (laughs) Right, he he just had those creeps. Yeah. I don't know. It's funny because, like, I can see how, um, like, if they had tried to do some sort of, like, Street Fighter crossover way back then, yeah, it probably would have felt janky the way Heihachi did in Soul Calibur. Mm. But, but like you know, kudos to Namco for actually pulling off those characters in Tekken Seven uh, in a pretty compelling way. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, nobody expected uh, what so many crossovers like Walking Dead, I, which I I don't know anything about that series, but it's a TV show, right? The Walking yes. Dead. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I don't know how people reacted to that, but yeah, definitely Geese Howard was awesome to see yes. in that game and Akuma. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um hopefully we'll see more exciting crossovers in the future. Hint hint wink wink uh Capcom versus SK3. 
Oh, <laughs> if I, only. You got CVS2 recently, right? Or did you already own it for a while? I you me a picture picked of it, it recently. I picked it up for um, import PS2. Um, I know it's not as I know it's not as good as the Dreamcast version, but you know it, that one's doing it for me for the time being until I can. Uh, I'm in the market potentially for getting a like. I want to get a modded Dreamcast with a bunch of the fancy wrinkles that exist for it now, like an ODE and the other fixes the system needs. Yeah. Um, but you know. God, I miss that game. CBS too. <laughs> I miss that game so much. I, there's no way I can play that game right now. It's not even in any game center near my area. So, yeah, uh, I might have to break down and get a Dreamcast, or hope to God that Capcom releases it on current systems, especially the Nintendo Switch. I really, really hope we get a CBS Deluxe. That's basically all the gameplay and roster of CPS, CVS 2. Mm-hmm. But then if you could also have some of those backgrounds from CVS 1. Yeah. That'd be hot. Yeah. That would be nice. I would love it. And yeah, Capcom, <laughs> please. Capcom, please. I guess we all have to go out and buy Capcom Fighting Collection. Yes. If we want this to happen. And also support SNK by buying the uh, SNK versus Capcom match of the millennium, uh, the uh, Neo Geo Pocket game on I did, Switch and I did. Uh, yeah, Steam. Please do support because it probably does make a huge difference. Yeah. Well, I would just think, given all the heat behind KOF as of late, yeah, like that's got to be an even more attractive proposition for them because see that was still the sneaky subtext for me with that whole street fighter six announcement was that it almost felt more about trying to distract people from kof yeah i don't know how i don't know that's just an opinion Mm -hmm. i could be completely wrong but because literally and I know this is going back to the last episode where we shot on that announcement a fair bit. (laughs) Um, Just, we didn't learn anything new. No, we did not. There were, there wasn't like a single new piece of information, all that you would think at the very least, like if this is going to be a cross platform title, that even that would have at least been something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, not a Sony exclusive. Give your poor, you know, orphaned Xbox fanboys a reason to look forward to this. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we don't, definitely. I mean, obviously we don't know. We don't know if this is another thing like Street Fighter Five was where, you know, Sony might be footing some of the bill for development costs. And if that's true, then that'll end up being another exclusive, which I think would be terrible. But, yeah, I hope not either. You know. I, I hope they don't do that because they made that mistake and they, yeah, it cost them a bit of their fan base because, I mean, if it's not available, how are we going to play it? You're not going to force people who love their Xboxes or can only afford one system. One console, to, yeah. To, to buy a PlayStation just to play your game. And not many people are fortunate enough to be able to have a 
game center that has Street Fighter V. So mm -hmm. there you go. I mean, if you really want to expand your fan base and expand the excitement of this game that's coming out for your new, you know, your new Street Fighter game, please do bring it on more systems. Yep. Well, especially Xbox, yeah. So, mm -hmm. Unless we get the Switch Pro Pro. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's coming, dude. I called it. <laughs> you didn't call shit. I know. Uh, <laughs> but that's just, you know, everybody loved dude. This is exactly like I said it would be. Yeah. <laughs> you called it. I called it. I called it, dude. When's our next uh, segment? I said it. In <laughs> the I new said it segment. 2019. I said yeah. it in 2020. I said it in 2021. I'm going to say it next year. <laughs> I called it. I called it. <laughs> yeah. Don't Shut you deny up. it. <laughs> oh. Let's leave on that beautiful note, shall we? Yeah. We shall. Yeah. <laughs> then great. Uh, thank you for listening to us once again. We hope that you will continue to listen to our podcast. And so if you have enjoyed our podcast content, please do check out our previous episodes by subscribing to our podcast and rating us if you like. Um, you can also find us on social networks like Instagram and Twitter by searching for us under oh God it HZ. Any feedback, do reach out to us by email at our parent network account at ruminationsradio at gmail.com. To find a variety of other podcasts and engaging radio personalities under the Ruminations Radio Network banner, please check out our RRN website at ruminationsradionetwork.com. We have a lot of great podcast shows that cover not only games, but cinema, TV shows, and everyday life. So please check out all these cool podcasts. And hopefully we will see you again next time. Until then, see you laters. Goodbye! Goodbye! Goodbye!